Good morning, Orchard Church. Good to see you guys today. Take out your Bibles or your mobile devices, whichever you use for your Bible. You want to follow along today in 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. 1 Kings 18, verse 1, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite stories in all the Bible today about the man Elijah as we continue our series today called Elijah, and we're just studying about this incredible man of God. As you're finding your way there this morning, a lot of times I ask you guys to raise your hand in response to something. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to this question, but I just want you to think about maybe answering it. Have you ever been in a fight in your life? Have you ever been in any kind of fight? Okay, some of y'all are raising your hands. You don't need to raise your hands. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to know. Uh, growing up, you know, as, as a kid, I had a couple of small squirmishes when I was a kid growing up in school. I really wouldn't call them fights. I tried to avoid fights if at all possible. You can laugh at that. It's okay. I know what some of y'all are thinking. I made sure I had the, the biggest kid in our school. He was like 6'3 in the fifth grade, was my best friend. I was very smart. But uh, I remember when I got into college, I got into this fight one time that I didn't know was going to happen. I don't even know if, it was, if you could call it a fight. It was more of an incident. Uh, and I was home for the summer uh, in between, I think, like my sophomore, junior year of college. I was attending University of Oklahoma. I came home that summer, and some of my friends and I, we went to you know, this college dance club place, and they're playing pop music, dance music, and we were dancing. And I know some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Doug was dancing. Listen, I had some moves back in the day. Okay? I had some moves like Jagger back in the day. All right? I mean, they named a dance after me, the Dougie, right? You guys have heard about that. And I could do a mean running man, but I'm not going to give any samples of that today. And we were at this dance club, and I was just hanging out with my friends, and, and we were dancing and just having a good time. And this girl came up to me and saw me dancing, saw my smooth moves, I guess. And she's like, hey, you want to dance? And I'm sure, well, we'll dance. And so we were dancing for like 30, 45 minutes, innocent, no big deal. She went her way. I went my way. We went outside. Um, I think we were, you know, to cool off. We were standing outside in the parking lot, me and my friends, and my buddy who was with me, who was, you know, like a foot taller than me, you know, I know you're not surprised at that. He's standing there next to me and we're just minding our own business. All of a sudden I hear this, man, and I turn around and my buddy is laying on the ground and this big dude had just clocked him from behind. Now, what I didn't realize was he was taking out the big guy to then get to the little guy. And I didn't realize this, but this guy was the boyfriend of the girl I had been dancing with for 45 minutes. She never told me she had a boyfriend, all right? And he wasn't out there dancing, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, dude, I'm sorry. You don't know how to dance, and I do. And I didn't say that, but I did think it. And he's, like, ready to, to fight me. And, I mean, I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. What do I do here? So I stood there, and I'm trying to talk my way out of it. And like, hey, dude, I'm sorry. My bad. I didn't know she was your girlfriend all this. And then finally, he just, boom, and he hits me right in the I mean hard. I fall back. I did not fall down. Thank you. Thank you. I took the punch, unlike my friend, the wimp on the ground. And by this time, he's recovered and he's ran off and left me standing there by myself. And he punches me. And then I'm like, okay, what do I do now? So I did what any wise person would do. I ran as well, and I, I le left the scene. So it wasn't really a fight that I chose to get in. Well, listen, why do I bring that up? Today, we're going to see a fight take place. We're going to see Elijah pick a fight with King Ahab. And this is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. And really what he's doing, he's picking a fight with him about all these false gods that he's worshiping and leading the nation of Israel to worship. And really, this isn't a fight between Elijah and King Ahab. 
This is a fight between uh, the one true God and all the false gods. This is a fight between good and evil, between God and Satan. We were introduced a couple of weeks ago to Elijah, who was becoming this man of God. He first showed up on the scene. He comes to King Ahab, and he calls him out for all this worship of idols and false gods of Baal. And he says, listen, God's going to bring a a prophetic judgment upon this nation, upon this area. There's going to be no rain. There's going to be a drought. Everything's going to die. And it's because of all this false worship. And he kind of gives that prophetic judgment, drops the mic, and then he disappears out of the scene and for like three years, and he kind of goes into hiding. And we saw that during those three years, God was humbling him privately, preparing to use him publicly. And now three years later, they're in this devastating drought. It's horrible. People are dying. And then he's going to come back, and he's going to talk to Ahab again. He's been preparing this message for three years. He's had three years to work on the message that we're going to see today. He's going to pick this fight. And he's going to attack him about all these false gods that they were worshiping. And, you know, we're reminded of how important it is that we serve one true God. The Bible, God said, you have no other gods before me. Anything we put before God is considered an idol, idol worship. One day when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, Jesus asked, what of all the commandments, what's the most important commandment? If we only get one right, which one should it be? And in Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, you must say it, church, Love the Lord your God with most of your heart, some of your heart. No, no, no. All your heart. You must worship the Lord your God with all of your heart. Have no other gods, no other idols, nothing more important than me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, if God's number one command is that we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, don't you know that our enemy Satan is going to do anything he can to distract us away from worshiping the one true God? Of course he is. And they're called idols, and they come in a lot of different shapes and a lot of different forms. But he's going to do anything he can to keep us from doing what Jesus told us to do. And here's the key thought this morning. You have it in your notes. Write this down. False gods promise what only the true God provides. That's our key thought today. False gods promise what only the true God provides. You know, let me give you an example. For instance, money. You know, a lot of people worship the false god of money. They, they don't call it a false god, but it is. And it, money promises you something that it can't ultimately provide. I mean, it promises you money today. If you have enough money, you'll be happy, you'll be fulfilled, you'll be satisfied, you'll be secure. And that works all great till you get cancer and you're going to die. It's a promise that is a lie. You know, that's all great and fine. You have all this money and all this stuff, and then you lose one of your kids or you lose your marriage. And then there's no happiness, there's no satisfaction, there's no fulfillment. What's the problem with false gods? False gods promise what only the true God provides. If you're with me, say yes. And that's going to be the message of Elijah here in 1 Kings 18, trying to get the people back to worshiping the one true God. And so follow along in this story as Elijah, after three years, shows back up to King Ahab again, and he picks a fight with him. And this is such an awesome story. It says in 1 Kings 18:1. later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Hasn't seen him for three years. Tell him I will soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. And then there's this story uh, from verses 3 to about 16 of Obadiah. We just don't have time to get into all that. But then in verse 17, finally, Elijah shows back up before King Ahab. 
And here's where the showdown on the fight begins. He shows up and he says, when, when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so is this really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Notice he's saying this, Ahab's saying this to Elijah. Oh, here's the troublemaker. Here's the one that brought this prophetic judgment that's caused all the problems. In Hebrew, this word troublemaker means snake or viper. He's like, you no good low down snake. All of this is your fault. And everything we're experiencing in this drought, it's because of you and it's your fault. Well, Elijah has a decision how he's going to respond. And he picks a fight. He says, I have made no trouble for, uh, for Israel, Elijah replied. Let's say it together. You and your family are the troublemakers. Now, you don't say that to a king unless you want to fight, right? He's like, no, you and your family, King Ahab, are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of what? Baal instead. You worship the images of Baal. Baal was a false god. He was, he was known as the sun god or the fire god. The sun god or the fire god. And not only was Ahab and Jezebel worshiping Baal, but they were leading all of Israel into this false worship of Baal. They were confronting this worship of many gods, more gods than the one true god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, when I was in uh, seminary, we learned a couple of words I want to teach you this morning. If you haven't heard these before, they're in your notes. One of them is monotheism. The other is polytheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is only one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We know him as the great I am we sang about this morning, Elohim, Jehovah, Jesus, the one true God. That's monotheism. Polytheism is the belief that there are multiple gods. You know, and there's a lot of polytheism today. People say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter which God you worship as long as you're sincere and they go by different names and all this, and and it's just falling into idol worship. So there's monotheism and there's polytheism. Now, as Christians, I think most of us would say, well, of those two, I would consider uh, my belief to be monotheistic. If you're with me, say yes. You know, I believe in one true God, and anything else is a false God. And so Christians are very monotheistic in their belief systems. But unfortunately, many Christians today live polytheistic lives. We're monotheistic in our beliefs, but we're polytheistic in our actions. And some of y'all are like, what you talking about, Willis? It's not because we're worshiping Baal. Some of you have never even heard of that. Not that we have a tiki doll sitting on our desk or a Buddha. We have more socially accepted idols today. We don't tend to refer to them as idols, but they are. We tend to worship things like prosperity, thinking that that will bring us fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose. We tend to worship things like possessions and pleasures and popularity and positions and power and even people. Even people. You know, I think one of the gods that, if we're not careful, many of us can can end up worshiping as a false god is our family. Our marriage, our kids. Listen, I love my wife of 24 years. I love my children. I wouldn't trade my family for anything. But they make lousy gods. And I make a lousy God to them. That's why when we talk about marriage, and we're teaching on marriage in the Bible, you know, we often, when we hear people say, single people say, I'm looking for the one. I found the one. God is supposed to be our one. And then our spouses are two. And our kids are three. They're actually on down a little ways. They think they're supposed to be one. 
You see, we, we, as Christians, say we're monotheistic in our belief systems, but unfortunately, we find ourselves sometimes living polytheistic lives because anything, listen, church, anything that we put before God is an idol. It's idol worship. It's no different than what was happening here in 1 Kings. And so I want to make this very practical. In your notes this morning, I want you to write it down at some point, either now or later, but I want you to answer this question. What is your false god? What might be your false god in your life that's coming between you and your worship of the true God? If I'm being completely real and honest with you guys, I'll tell you two false gods that sometimes I find myself worshiping getting in the way of the true God. The first one is the false god of the church. You know, I'm so busy trying to grow the church and serve the church, it can actually hinder and get in the way of my personal relationship with God sometimes if I'm not careful. I can make that my God. My family, like many of you, my wife, my kids, my family, if I'm not careful, I'll allow them to take center stage and get on the throne instead of God being on the throne of my life. And it's a false God. And that's Elijah's message today. You know, which, which God do you serve? And so he comes after three years, and he confronts Ahab about the worship of all these false gods. And now he's going he's gonna to just call on an old-fashioned showdown. He's like, we're going to have a contest. We're, we're going to find out who the true God is. And we pick it up in, in verse 19. And this is what he says in verse 19. He says, okay, now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel. Uh, Mount Carmel is a place you can actually visit today. We took 22 from our church uh, to Israel back in the fall. We took this picture. This is a picture of us standing on top of Mount Carmel, right on top of the mountain. They have a statue of Elijah where this actual story took place. It was so awesome to think, wow, over 2,000 years ago, this scene was happening in this place, and we got to stand right there and imagine this going down. And so they gathered all of Israel because Israel needed to be there because they were the ones also worshiping false gods and, and being led astray by King Ahab. He says, now summon all Israel to join me on Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Asherah was like the false god wife of Baal. And that was being led by and supported by Jezebel, his evil wife. I mean, as bad as King Ahab was, his wife, Jezebel, was even worse. I told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, if you're looking for baby names, probably not a good one to choose. If you're looking for cat names, perfect name to choose. Just throwing that out there. So you got, think about this story. Think about this scene. You got all of Israel there. Elijah's picked a fight with King Ahab, and you got all of Israel watching this contest go down. There's 850 false prophets and one man of God, Elijah. He's way outnumbered. But we know that God can do a lot through one man of God, through one woman of God, through one teenager of God. And so Ahab summoned, verse 20 says, So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you say it, church? Will you waver? How much longer will you waver? Hobbling between two opinions. If the Lord, and here's his message. Here's where he throws it down. If the Lord is God, what? Follow him. It, but if Baal is God, then what? Follow him. Make a choice. Make a decision. He drew a line in the sand. He said, if Baal is God, follow him. But if the Lord, Jehovah, Elohim, Yahweh, the great I am, if he is God, then follow him. And the people were completely what? Silent. You know what I've learned in my over 25 years of preaching? When people get silent, it's because they're convicted. 
So, so the more quiet you guys are, the more convicted I know you guys are. So you might want to amen a little bit more, you know, at least act like everything's okay. And they, they, they were very convicted because this is the nation of Israel. This is the group of people that God brought out of their bondage in Egypt. This is the group of people that they crossed the Red Sea. They saw God do all these marvelous things. And now they're, for, they're worshiping these false gods. And he's like, you need to make up your mind. And this was really, this was his whole message. You have it in your notes. It's time to quit wavering. It's time to quit wavering between the false gods of Baal and Asherah and the true God. You know, in sports, we would, we would refer to these people as bandwagon fans. You know, don't you hate bandwagon fans? You know, people that they don't really have a favorite team, but whoever's winning that year, that's their favorite team. Uh, my son growing up, when he was, when he was younger, until he got into about middle school, wh whoever his favorite team that year was in the NFL was whoever was winning that year. And I finally told him, I said, you got to decide. And so uh, some of you know this about me, some of you don't, and, uh, but I'm going to just come clean this morning. I grew up uh, a massive Dallas Cowboy fan, okay? All right, yeah, f few people, yeah, the rest of you can do that, okay. But 15 years ago, I moved to Colorado, and I fell in love with the Denver Broncos, okay? And I got to be honest, I have, have wavered ever since. I have this difficult, thankfully one of them's AFC and one of them's NFC and they hardly ever play each other when they did a couple of years ago and it was like 43 to 41. And I mean, I was, whoever was behind, I, I was rooting for it. I didn't know what to do. I was wavering. I was wavering. My son, I guess I, I raised him to be dedicated because he's to this day, even though he lived and grew up mainly here in Colorado, he is a massive Dallas Cowboy fan and he always gives me a hard time when I wear my Bronco stuff. He's like, dad, you raised me to be a... Cowboy friend, you know, get off the fence, quit wavering. He's always giving me, and I'm like, well, at least you know, he's stuck to his, his team. And, and he's giving me a heart, and that's what's going on here. Elijah's like, quit wavering. Who's it going to be, God or Baal, Asherah, false gods? You know, and how might Elijah say this to us today? You know, maybe today he'd be like, you know, what's it going to be, Christians? What's it going to be, Doug? You know, you, you can't be one thing on Sunday and something different on Monday. Quit wavering. Quit hobbling between two opinions. Quit being a fence rider. Pick a side. Quit, you know, claiming that, oh man, I want God to bless me. I want God to bless my family over here, but I don't want to obey God over here. I want the blessings of God, but I don't want, to, I don't want the obedience of God. You know, I want to claim one God, but I'm going to live as if I have many gods. Elijah would be saying the same thing today. You know, and how might he say this today? I mean, if he were here today and was throwing down the gauntlet, and he was having this showdown. I mean, for them, he was like, listen, if, if the Lord is God, then follow him with all your heart, soul, and mind. If, if Baal is God, okay, then follow him if he's truly God. How might Elijah say this today? He's not going to say Baal today. He's not going to say Asher. He might say something like this. If money is God, if money is your God, and you think ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose in life is going to come from money, then go for it. Beg, borrow, steal, get into debt. Don't ever give anything away. Don't be generous. Lose your family in the process if you have to. I mean, really, that's what he might say today. If you think money is your ultimate fulfillment, happiness, and satisfaction, then get all you can and can all you get. That's your God. He might say this. If image is your God, if everything is about your image, then go for it. I mean, tan it, tweak it, twist it, tat it, tuck it, puff it, plump it. If that's your God... Man, spare no expense. Follow that. Go for that. If sex, if that's where you think you're going to have your ultimate film, if sex is your God, then, man, go for it. 
Anything goes. Don't let something like marriage stand in the way or commitment stand in the way. I mean, you see how silly that sounds. But I think that's what Elijah would say to us today. Which God do you serve? Quit wavering. You know, if money is your God, go for it. Follow it. If image is your God, go for it. Follow it. If pleasure is your God, go for it. Follow it. If sex is your God, go for it. Follow it. But... If the Lord is God, the great I am, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, then quit wavering. Quit wavering. Follow him. Follow him. And I, I, I can just, as I was studying for this, I could just hear God saying, Doug, quit wavering. Quit wavering. Orchard Church, quit wavering. Quit wavering. Christian, quit wavering. Pick a side. Make a choice. Make a decision. Who are you going to follow? Now, Elijah is going to help him out with this decision. He's, he's drawn a line in the sand, and now that they have a decision to make. And so he is going to create a contest to help them decide. He says, you know, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Then verse 22, he comes up with this idea. Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. I know I'm way outnumbered. But here's what I want you to do. Watch this. This is where the story gets really good. Verse 23. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of the altar, but without setting fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. So two altars Two bulls, two sacrifices, but we're not going to set fire to them. Then call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of what? The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. The God who answers by what? Setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people what? Agreed. You see the contest? If you're with me, say yes. yes. If you see it, say, I see it. I want you to picture it in your mind. I'm, I, we're going to decide once and for all who the real true God is, which everyone brings down fire. Now, let me remind you, they were worshiping Baal, the sun god, the fire god. He was very specific in how this was going to go down. And you can only imagine as he's like, you know, whichever god brings down fire, that's the true god. That they're like, ha, ha, you're going down, Elijah. You silly little prophet, don't you know we worship Baal, the sun god, the fire god? This is a piece of cake. I mean, they've already, they're already preparing the celebratory parade. I mean, they're ready. They're, it's like they're in the Super Bowl. It's the third quarter, and they're 28 to 3. Elijah's down. I could not use that joke in Atlanta today. I would get killed. They're like, we got this. Game over. Elijah, this is the stupidest thing you've ever thought of. You're going down. Well, let's see what happens. Verse 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, because there's many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it, and call in the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. Your God's got to do it. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on an altar, and then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was, say it, church, no reply of any kind. And then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. I did a little research on this dance. I would do it for you this morning, but none of you would ever come to church at Orchard again. 
But you can just imagine this, you know, they're doing this dance, trying to get the attention of their God. And this is where it gets really funny. Don't tell me the Bible isn't fun. Watch what Elijah does. I mean, this guy has got some guts. This guy is the man. Verse 27, about noontime, they've been calling on their God, no reply, nothing's happening. About noontime, Elijah began to mock them. That's bold. One on 850, he begins to make fun of them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. Your God can't hear you. You need to speak up a little bit. Maybe he's hard of hearing. For surely he's a God. You say he is. Perhaps, oh, I know what the problem is. Perhaps he's daydreaming. You need to get his attention. Or, this is even better, or he's relieving himself. (laughs) Some of you are like, does that mean what I think it means? It means exactly what you think it means. In the original Hebrew, it means he's going to the bathroom. He's reading the newspaper. As our Spanish pastor Marcial would say, he's baking the cake. (laughs) Except he wouldn't say it like that. He'd say, he's baking the cake. He's like, he, he's in the bathroom, he's on the potty. And I, can, I just imagine this scene, Elijah's like, shout louder, dance more, you know, wake him up, get him out of the bathroom. <laughs> this is awesome. This, this is one of my favorite stories. He says, oh, or maybe I know, he's on a trip, he's on vacation, or he's asleep and he needs to be wakened. So they listen to him and they shout louder. And following their normal custom, now this is where it gets sad, they begin to cut themselves. There's people today that cut themselves. They begin to cut themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out. They're so desperate to get a response from some false god. It says they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. And you know, I thought about this, you know, how sad this was. But how sad it is today that people rave all day and all night and all week and all month and some people their entire life chasing a false god, a false idol, something that will never provide what the true God can provide. And they raved all afternoon to the time of evening sacrifice, but there was still, say it church, no sound, no reply, no response. You know why? Because there was No God. There was no God of Baal. This was a tool of Satan to deceive them, just like he uses false gods to deceive us. There was no no sound. There was no reply. There was no God. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here, Israel, come here. They all crowded around him as he prepared the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. wonder who tore that down. He took 12 stones One to represent each of the tribes of Israel. He was reminding them where they were from and what God they used to serve. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons of water. He piled wood on the altar. He cut the bull into pieces and he laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, now talk about bold, watch this. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour water all over the offering and the wood. How many of y'all know that when things are wet, they don't light easily? Fire and water don't mix. He's trying to make this humanly impossible. So that only God could get the credit if this happens. And after they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. He wanted to make this impossible. 
So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. And at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he danced, he shouted, he cut himself. No. What did he do, church? He prayed. He just talked to his God. He just talked to his father like a friend to a friend. And he said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that, say it, church, You are God in Israel, and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have, watch this, brought them back to who? To yourself. Do this so that they will know your God and that you've brought them back to yourself. You see, this wasn't a religious act he was doing. This was about getting them back into a right relationship with their God. In the Bible, it's never about religion. It's about relationship. We say it all the time here at Orchard Church. If you're looking for religion, you've come to the wrong place. We do not offer religion here at Orchard Church. We offer a personal relationship with God Almighty. That's what this is about. And that's what it was about for them. They used to have this. They used to serve God. They used to walk with God. They used to worship God. But they had drifted away and followed false idols. And and Elijah says, God, do this so that they can be brought back to you. And I can't help but believe that maybe God is speaking to some of you this morning. And the Holy Spirit of God is saying, come back to me. Come back to me. It's time to come back. You used to follow me. You used to serve me. You used to worship me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, but you've drifted away and you've allowed some false idols to come between you and your relationship with God. Maybe you, if you're honest, you'd say, you know, lately I've been following the promises of a false God that only the true God can provide. No wonder I'm not happy. No wonder I'm not fulfilled. No wonder I'm not satisfied. No wonder I feel like I don't have purpose. No wonder I'm not being blessed. And this, I don't say this to judge you. I don't say this to condemn you. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world, to save us from following the false promises of false gods. Amen, church? You want God to bless you? You want God to do something miraculous in your life? Then we've got to quit wavering. We've got to be brought back, some of us. We've got to come back. For some of you, maybe you've been following the, false, following the promises of false gods your entire life, thinking that there's things that will bring you satisfaction and fulfillment, and they've left you empty. And nobody needs to tell you that. You know that. And so he says, God, would you do this so that they'll be brought back into a right relationship with you? And verse 38 says, immediately, no time passed, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. How many of y'all know when our God does something, he, does, he goes all out? He doesn't miss nothing. It even licked up all the water in the trench. I want you to just take yourself to this scene and imagine being there and having this decision. Which God am I going to serve? Do I need to quit wavering? And then it says, and when all the people saw what happened, when they saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. What an incredible story. But God doesn't want us to just stand at awe at that story and what God did. He wants to use it in our life today. 
to get us to choose a side. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to worship? Is it time to quit wavering? And I've seen over many years God step into someone's life and bring them back or call them back to himself into a right relationship with him. God knows how to get our attention when he needs to get our attention. Amen? I want to tell you a quick story about one guy that I know. He, um, he grew up, he was born into a Christian home. He grew up in a Christian home. He grew up, his family took him to church every Sunday. This was back in the day where you went to, you know, Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and visitation was on Monday and all these things. And he, he was always there with his family. And he was there mainly because his family, you know, took him and he didn't really have a choice. But at about eight years of age, this guy heard a message in church and that day he listened instead of slept. And the message was that God loved him, that his sins separated him from God, but Jesus Christ died for him. And if he would put his faith and trust in Jesus, he could be saved and forgiven and have a relationship with God. And he made that life-changing decision. And it changed his life. And, and this guy, from that day forward, he didn't go to church because he had to. He went because he wanted to. And he followed God and he served God. He would bring his friends to church. This guy, there was hardly a Sunday that ever went by that this guy didn't have somebody with him, a friend from school that he would bring to church. Then when he got into middle school, man, he really got on fire for God. He was a leader in his youth group, bringing his friends, all kinds of people getting saved. And so much so that he was at a youth camp one year and God spoke to this guy and said, I want you to give your life to full-time ministry. I want you to be a pastor someday. I want you to spend the rest of your life telling people about Jesus. And he, he committed to that and he surrendered to that. And he knew that's what God had told him to do. But then, unfortunately, like a lot of teenagers, man, there were a lot of false idols pulling at his life and his time. And when he turned 16, he got a job, and it got him out of church, and money became an idol. He got a car, you got to, you know, fix your car up, and that became an idol. He got a girlfriend, and he got another girlfriend, and he got another girlfriend. Those became his idol. And before he knew it, he wasn't following God. He wasn't worshiping God. He was his own God of his own life. And he started following all these false gods. And then he went off to college. And instead of going to seminary, he went to a secular university to do what he wanted to do with his life, not what God had called him to do with his life. And for about six, seven years, man, he was just worshiping false idols and false gods, thinking he would be satisfied and fulfilled and happy. And he wasn't. He wasn't at all. And then God in his love and grace and redemption and providence brought someone into his life that invited him back to church he hadn't been to church in many years and he went to church and the spirit of God spoke to him and said are you tired of wavering are you tired of running are you ready to quit wavering and follow me again and trust me I've got an amazing plan for your life and that day, he turned his life back around and back to God. God had he had left God, but God had never left him. And God never quit pursuing him. And God's spirit was with him and convicting him along the way. And finally, one day, he said, it's time to quit wavering. And he went off to seminary, went to Bible college, and went into ministry. And God has used him in ways he could have never, ever dreamed or imagined. 
And it all started on a day where he looked back and said, it's time to quit wavering. I know this story so well because it's my story. It's my story. And I've never, I've never regretted that decision I made when I was eight. And I never have regretted the decision I made when I was about 23 to quit wavering and running from God. But that story could be your story for some of you today. Is it time to quit wavering? Which God do you serve? Which God do you serve? Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to us today. For people who've drifted away, I pray that you would call them back. For those who maybe have been running their whole life at chasing the false promises of false gods, I pray that they would find you today and find what only the true God can provide. So continue an attitude of prayer right now. How many of you would say today, you know what, if I'm honest, I've got some false idols in my life. I'm monotheistic in my beliefs, but I'm sometimes polytheistic in my actions. And God has spoken to me today. The Spirit of God has convicted me today. I can't speak for anybody else, but God has spoken to me today. It's time to quit wavering. It's time to come back. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands all across this auditorium? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Hands everywhere. God bless you. God's calling me back. Maybe you say, you know, I've been trying to follow God, but I I just know there's some idols in my life that I've allowed to drift in that I need to get rid of. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those today that you're speaking to. I pray that they would quit wavering. Pray that I would quit wavering. And Lord, that we would follow you, that we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind, that we would understand if we want the blessings of God and you to do amazing things in our life, that we've got to make a decision. We've got to make a choice. We've got to quit riding the fence. We've got to follow the great I am. So we continue an attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here today. And if you're honest, you'd say, you know, I've, been, I've probably been chasing some false gods and false promises my whole life. And God is saying, today is the day that I need to give my life to him. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've tried everything else the world has to offer, and it's left me empty, unsatisfied, and unfulfilled. And I believe God is speaking to my heart today that it's time for me to, to say yes to Jesus. If that's you today, you know who you are. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can call on the name of the Lord just like Elijah did to come into your life. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. It's not a, it's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, you can invite Jesus in your life today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me in faith? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I believe you are God. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay for my sins. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my God. Be my God. Thank you for loving me and pursuing me. Thank you. So continue an attitude of prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just made the most important decision you could ever make. And I would love the privilege to pray for you right now, that you would just grow in your walk and relationship and pursuit of Jesus from this day forward. So if you prayed that prayer without hesitation right now, would you just slip up your hand just so I can see it? Just slip it up. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Over here. God bless you. God bless you over here. Yes. God bless you, young person right here. God bless you right here. Amen. God bless you over here. Amen. Anyone else? Yes, I I prayed that prayer. I meant it. God bless you, young person there. God bless you. Amen. God bless you up here. Amen. The Spirit of God is working. Amen. Is that okay, church? Amen. 
God bless you. Listen, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. Those of you that just raised your hand, just those of you that raised your hand, I'm just going to ask you to look up here at me. Just look up at me if you, if you were serious. Thank you. I want to ask you to do something right now because this decision you made was so important. Inside your newsletter, there's a connection card. I'm going to ask you right now, just write your name on that card. Give us your address because we're going to mail you a book, a free book called Seven Steps to Joy. It's a, it's a simple little read, but it'll give you the next steps. You say, okay, I accepted Jesus. What next? It'll give you those next steps. I'm going to ask you right now, right now as I'm praying for you, fill out that card. When we receive the offering, you just drop that in there because that's how important your decision is to us today. So let us know that you made that decision. Father, I thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. May we serve the one true God. May we not have monotheistic beliefs, but live polytheistic lives. God, forgive us where we have allowed anything to come between us and our relationship with you. May we quit wavering today, and may we say, the Lord is our God. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ as you're filling out that card, please drop that in when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you and send you that book. If you're a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Also, I hope you filled out that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket and we'll receive our gifts in just a moment. Uh, we're not interested in your money at all today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in you. And so if you drop that in there, we're going to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail, just thanking you for being our guest. If you're new to Orchard Church and I haven't met you personally, I would love to do so. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard after church. So, so Please come by and introduce yourself uh, today. Next week, we're going to continue our story of Elijah. Uh, love this man. Next week, we're going to see Elijah pray. Do you all believe that God answers prayer? Amen. Well, we're going to see that next week. God's going to answer prayer in a big way. And he may want to answer some prayers in your life in a big way. So we're going to talk about that next week. You don't want to miss that. Right now, let's stand as we have a time of worship and song. As we get to worship the one true God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am. We worship in song. We worship with our tithes and our offerings. I love you, Orchard Church. Have a wonderful day.